Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. So I want to start with a question today. What is the most effective strategy to alleviate poverty, in your opinion? Well, my guest today will answer that question very simply, create jobs. He would go on to say that creating dignified and sustainable work is the most effective way to alleviate poverty over the long haul and actually serves as a foundation that brings about transformative change in people and communities. Well, my guest today is Atul Tandon. He's the CEO of Opportunity International. Opportunity International is a nonprofit organization that's been around for about 50 years. They support over 10 million, predominantly women, from across the world with microenterprise loans, technology, and other resources that help them break the cycle of poverty and become prominent business leaders. Opportunity International is active in 22 countries across Africa, Asia, Latin America, and Europe. Atul brings 35 plus years of experience that spans both the for-profit and non-profit sector. Now, before serving as CEO for Opportunity International, Atul worked for Citibank for many years, as well as United Way, Worldwide, and World Vision. I know you're going to really benefit from hearing Atul share his unique perspective on how to alleviate poverty in some of the world's most difficult places. Enjoy today's show. Atul, it's so good to have you on the show today. Thanks for calling in. Now, let me just start with giving you the motto of Opportunity International because I want you to speak to this one because I like your motto. Your motto goes like this. Together, we can help entrepreneurs work their way out of poverty. Very intriguing and a very bold statement. So first of all, how do you define poverty and why is it so important that you focus on entrepreneurs? Uh, thank you, Dr. Harder. So let me give you, uh, you know, th there is... Uh, if, if your listeners have read, and I would highly recommend uh, taking time to read this book, it's uh, a, a relatively new, but not so new. It's called Factfulness by uh, Dr. Hans Rosling, a Swedish uh, uh, doctor in public health who spent a lifetime, you know, uh, working with populations around the world. And he came to the conclusion that we understood part poverty very differently. So the way he describes poverty, and I like his definitions, they're very clear, is four levels, right? The first level is people who, who live on less than $2 a day. And there is now about close, somewhere between about 700 uh, to 750 million people in, in that bracket in the world today. The lowest number, frankly, and in, in, in percentage in, in human history ever. Uh, the, and these are people who are living on, the, you know, they, they are walking on their two bare feet, they are cooking on open flames, uh, they are getting water, no running water, no running lights, uh, uh, they, they typically sleep on the ground, and could be in mud huts or thatched huts, I mean, and or uh, urban areas in slums, so very, very, so our, when you think of a poverty in the developing world, the picture that comes to mind, less than $2 a day. 
The, the next level, level two, is the, the group of people who are living somewhere between two to eight dollars a day. I'll take the guesswork out of the following question, you know, where is the majority of the world? The majority of the world's population is actually in that income bracket, right? About two billion people or so, two, and somewhere between two to two and a half billion people out of the, the seven billion are, are in, in that bracket. They are people who, who have, you know, they could be going to work on a bicycle, going around town, uh, they're sleeping on a mattress, they typically have a gas canister, it could be a propane one uh, or, or LPG one, uh, you know, they have uh, some amount of running water, electricity, they might have a television, if they're probably over $5 a day, they might even have a mobile phone. You and I are actually part of level four, and, and, and your listeners... People who are living on, and hold your breath for this, $32 a day or more. You are in level four. You are amongst the, 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 the best provided human beings. Actually, not just in today's time, but in human history, right? Running water, hot and cold at home. There's a vehicle in the driveway. Uh, the the food is fresh. You're you're now able to to spend time to look after your your body, your mind, your soul. Exercise, good food, able to go to good education, uh, and and what we all define as as a thriving life. Good health and good health care, uh, right? Ability to take vacation. Uh, leisure, which is a relatively new thing in 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 in, in uh, our experience, uh, the experience of leisure. Uh, so these things, and pretty much I would say a very, very large part of, of the, the, the you know, today's gig economies are all focused on people living on more than $32 a day. So increasingly poverty is being defined in those terms. Uh, the uh, And of course the basic definitions of poverty, as you've already guessed, are around income. We all look at poverty in terms of economic poverty because uh, given that money is the principal medium of exchange, Dr. Harder, there is a very different definition of poverty at the very, very, very bottom level, which is uh, people are living on you know, 79 cents a day, a dollar a day, a dollar 25. There, uh, the traditional definitions of poverty actually have to do with food. You know, how much money do you need to buy sufficient food, sufficient calories to be able to survive that day and get up the next morning, right, and to be able to live. What is the most effective solution to getting people from level one, less than $2 a day, to, to, to level two, to, you know, somewhere between uh, two to, let's say, $8 a day, and, and then how do you get them to level three, eight to $32 a day? Well, uh, I was in a meeting uh, with fellow CEOs and uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations, uh, Antonio Guterres. He was asked this question. Well, there are so many SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, uh, and I think there are about 17 of them, which is the most important. Uh, and Mr. Guterres did not even bat an eyelid. He had a direct response. The most important is the first one getting people out, out of poverty. And then he went on to say, second sentence, right? The, the, to get people out of our poverty, the most effective solution to get them out of poverty 
is to get them into jobs. So the most, most effective contribution we can make, if, in his words, to, to tackling poverty is to, is to create jobs for people at the bottom of the pyramid so they can do the job and earn a sustainable life, livelihood. That is precisely what Opportunity International does. And I am thrilled and proud to say that as I look back at the record of our organization, just even over the past few years, we have succeeded in creating over 20 million jobs. Well, Tool, you really believe that by empowering individuals to find and create dignified and sustainable work is the foundation of what actually brings about transformative change in people and communities. So talk about that. Like, how do you define what is dignified and sustainable work, and why is it so critical? Dr. Harder, I believe that uh, we are all created equal. We all are, and in, in, in my mind, as I look at the world, I mean, you know, God's created a world where there is, uh, today, there is enough going around in terms of total resources available. Every human being could live a, a good life. Now, our definition of a good life might be, might be slightly different in different places in the world, but we should all be able to, at the minimum today, uh, go to bed on a full stomach, have, a, you know, decent set of clothing, uh, live in a home that that is that that uh, the rain doesn't fall through and doesn't freeze over in the winter, and be able to do a, 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 to 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 get up in the morning and go to work and and feel good about you know what we did and and earn a good living send our kids to school. The basics of that is today available to everybody, and in my mind that you know that opportunity is is uh, getting people that opportunity, giving them that opportunity. To be able to have that decent life is what Opportunity International is all about. Okay, good. I know you've already shared a little bit here, but I thought I'd ask you again. Could you provide us with one or two powerful examples of your work and how it's transformed individuals, families, and even whole communities? Give us a couple of stories here. Well, thank you. I'm going to start with one of my most favorite stories, actually, of our uh, first client, Carlos Moreno. Uh, and uh, Carlos, uh, you know, this is in 1971, 1972. Uh, I, uh, so please, do, I did not do this, so I can't take any, any, any uh, you know, there's no claim to fame here. Uh, is, uh, I, he's sitting on the street. He's a street vendor selling spices uh, in, in, in a street in, in Cali, Colombia. This is long before uh, Cali uh, became... Uh, Known as, if you will, uh, you know, the capital, the, the, the drug capital of the world of the cartels, but long back. So he's sitting on the streets in Colombia, in, in Cali, Colombia, and he's selling spices. He's, you know, he's, he's just selling a lot of spices. And, uh, um, um, Opportunity International, our uh, local staff, uh, he, he comes across, uh, uh, Carlos and, and they get to know each other. He asks Carlos, he says, well, what do you need to do better? Well, Carlos, you know, he's—I'm not even sure how well educated he was at that time. He, he knew what he needed to do better in life. He said, "Well, if I had a spice grinder instead of selling raw spices, uh, Doctor Harder, I would grind the spices and I could get better prices." Oh, how much will it cost? Well, I think it's going to cost dollar terms, somewhere between sixty-five to seventy-five dollars. Well, what if I was to give you a loan? I'm not going to give you a gift. What if I was to give you a loan? Carlos gets the loan, buys the grinder. You know, he, he goes from selling a couple of raw spices 
Uh, he is now, uh, within two years, he's selling 54 different kinds of uh, uh, now ground spices, processed spices, and he's gone from the street to having a store, right? And he's employing people. Well, that one store grows to two stores. Ten years later, Carlos is a businessman who's got ten stores, and he is, is now at a point in life, he's selling all different kinds of spices, different kinds of products. And he decides, uh, Dr. Harder, at that point, 10 years into his business, I am going, he does what I think is the first Colombian IPO. He sells his business. And he says, I have done enough. I've accomplished from now on. I am now going to go back to the people I was part of, the poor communities, and teach them the power of, of, of getting financial resources, right training, and right support, and what happens to your life when you put all those three things together. Hey, everybody, Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. Uh, if you want to find out more information and listen to some other great interviews, you can just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. We have a whole list of all of our shows, and we have some great interviews. I mean, we've interviewed people from all over the world that are doing fascinating things. And so you can go to that website and check out all the different shows. But you can also go to iTunes. So if you haven't found us yet on iTunes, go to iTunes. Just look up the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. And then we ask you one more thing. Would you give us a rating? Let us know what you think about this. I know that when you get more ratings for a certain podcast, that podcast gets out to more people. And we'd like to get this podcast out to as many people as possible. And then finally, we'd love to hear from you. You know, if you're really enjoying this podcast, let us know. Or if you have questions or comments or ideas for a show or people that you'd like to be on the show, please send me your information, send me your ideas. You can just email me, rob at ccofpc.org. Again, it's rob at ccofpc.org. Let me know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. All right, now back to the show. Okay, this is good. Now, every nonprofit has to support their organization through funding, right? So talk about your funding model a little bit. How do you support and sustain your organization? Well, thanks for that. We have, uh, you know, we started, of course, as a philanthropy organization. We are. We are a 501c3, we're a nonprofit. We have been uh, uh, for, for 47 years. Uh, and uh, so that is our, has been and continues to be our, our principal source of funding from donors. We, we are very thankful we have uh, donors who, who, who contribute, uh, you know, uh, 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 $5, $500, $5,000, $50,000, half a million dollars. Uh, we have donors uh, like the Gates Foundation, uh, the Credit Suisse, John Deere, Caterpillar, Several, uh, you know, the Fortune uh, 50 corporations who are our partners, who, who um, give us funding multi-year uh, for projects uh, that we are doing Africa, Asia, Latin America. So we have donors across, uh, if you will, uh, the economic pyramid. Uh, we are very thankful that the largest number of our donors uh, are, uh, you know, uh, American families, uh, 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 mom and dad, and, and children who, who stand by us. And, and with us, and most importantly with our clients, and are contributing, uh, you know, $100, $1,000, $2,000 a year. So that's one form, one uh, principal source of funding. There are two more. Uh, we, of course, as you know, we are a financial services uh, organization. I mean, our role is to help the poor access financial services, training and support. In the pursuit of that, we, we 
decided many, many years back that where there were no local institutions serving the interests of the poor, financial institutions, we'd set them up. So our, our donors, uh, you know, came alongside us and took the great risk. Uh, and remember, these are developing countries, what, uh, you know, places like Mozambique, uh, places like Rwanda, DRC, uh, you know, we, we think of even uh, uh, India and Indonesia and places like that developing today. But think about what these were in the 80s and the 90s where they were. So our donors took the risk. We set up microfinance institutions, in some cases banks. So the second source of, of our local revenues for our projects, uh, if you actually now the largest one, is the local revenues uh, that come in from our, our financial services institutions. Now, many people would describe your organization as a faith-based nonprofit. Tell us, how does that work? What does that mean, actually, to be a faith-based nonprofit? And how does that work in your organization? How do you integrate your faith into your work with those you serve? How do we do that? We do that by, for us, drawing our motivation, drawing our drive from the story of the Good Samaritan, the person who, who, who picked up the man lying on the, bleeding on, on, on the side of the street, and, and takes him to the inn and, and gets him to be to, to to be bandaged and taken care of. Well, that's what we we do. We we not only come alongside those people who've been who've been left out, who've been left behind. Uh, we give them a, a hand up. We don't give them a hand out, and we don't leave them where we found them. We give them a hand up. We want to to, to train them, to support them, to now be able to earn a living, to stand on their own feet. And now to be able to enjoy life where they are, uh, where they're able to feed themselves, house themselves, send their children to school, and to be able to contribute to the community that they're part of. How do we do that? Well, we approach all of our work, if you will, you know, uh, the the uh, 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 in terms of our values and how we do it. One, a complete commitment to our clients. Not only will we do no harm. We want to stand with you to seek to, to ensure that your lives are, are, are transformed, right? So that's the first commitment. Humility in, in that our, our, uh, uh, our spirit, our hearts are drawn to, to serving the, uh, the people in all humility, humility with all that we can do. A respect. Yeah, we approach our work, our donors, uh, our clients with, with a spirit of respect. It, does that show up in our, our work? in our consideration for each other. Uh, integrity is, is our organization uh, uh, living by the values of integrity in all that it does, whether it's our programmatic work, whether it's our, our donor-facing commitments, whether it's our financial dealings, whether it's our dealings locally with the world. Stewardship, um, you know, are we running the organization efficiently to, to both meet our, our effectively, to meet our client promises, to meet our donor promises, to meet our promises to the community of faith and to the to the larger community that we are part of, uh, to society in general, and to our staff and everybody, are we, are, you know, is, is that our is their stewardship? Finally, that that uh, is our work transformative in that it changes lives to be able to live for the poorest of the poor, to be able to live better, and for our donors to be able to get the sense of satisfaction in their engagement with us and a sense of contribution that when they contributed, 
the changes that they had thought were in their mind, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that are indeed being carried out. So, and I think of our organization as, as if you will, a meeting place for people of God's will, for people of goodwill to join hands and come together and say, you know, we are going to change the world for the better, one Linda at a time, one Carlos at a time, but we all believe that it can be done. And at the very, very bottom level, frankly, the solutions are pretty straightforward. We know what they are. We're going to repeat them. And we're not going to rest till this gets done. We are within sight, within sight, you know, according to the World Bank by 2030, of the day when everybody in the world will have enough to, to eat that they can go to bed on a full stomach. Nobody in the world will be living on less than $2 a day. That end, not the end of poverty, but the end of extreme poverty is in sight. And, and I can only say that, uh, you know, for our donors, for our supporters, for your listeners, there is no more exciting challenge. There is no more exciting vision. There is no more exciting goal that you and I can embrace and sign up for. And then to say, you know, what I'm going to do the next 12 years, 2018, 2030, my generation, I'm going to see an end to extreme poverty. When that day happens, it will come, Dr. Harder. And, you know, you might argue it totally won't come in 2030. I pray it will come in 2030. When that day comes, it will be the first time since the dawn of mankind that humankind can go to bed and say, we live in a good world. I live for that day. I'm excited. It'll happen in my lifetime and yours. Well, once again, my guest today has been Atul Tandon. He is the CEO of Opportunity International, and Opportunity International is a nonprofit organization that's been around for about 50 years. They support over 10 million, predominantly women, from across the world with microenterprise loans, technology, and other resources that help them break the cycle of poverty and become prominent business leaders. Atul, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you sharing your heart and your experience. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Dr. Harder, and thanks for your listeners to listening in. Uh, I look forward to your comments, to your questions, and engaging for I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.